Welcome to Core Nourishment. I'm Annie Wagner, your host. This podcast is designed to empower, inspire, ignite presence, purpose, and intention in your day. Welcome back to the Core Nourishment Podcast. I'm Annie Wagner, your host, and thank you so much for just tuning in with me today and being present. I am laughing out loud because I think this is probably the 15th take on this intro. Um, And one of these days, I'm going to just have some bloopers because it is hilarious, like just hearing myself kind of ramble and then laugh at myself um, and stumble over my words. So I guess just sharing this because, um, yeah, it's like such a fun observation and human moment. Um, And also that it just brings such joy. So I have loved reconnecting with my podcast with more consistency over the last few months. And also just having the incredible privilege of interviewing people from all over. So a couple things, if you haven't already done so, if you wouldn't mind taking a moment to go to iTunes and offer a rating and a review, I would so deeply appreciate it. And if you yourself would like to be a guest on my podcast, or maybe you know of someone else who might want to be, please reach out. You can find me on Instagram and on Facebook at Core Nourishment and on my website at AnnieWagoner.com. So for episode 35, which feels really fun to say, 35, I had the incredible privilege of reconnecting with Eileen Robertson-Hamra. She and I met, gosh, 10 years ago now in Costa Rica at uh, an Institute for Integrative Nutrition conference. And I remember meeting Eileen and immediately being drawn to her magnetic energy, her warmth, her sense of humor, and just her beautiful authenticity. And it was about six months after that that she tragically lost her husband in a plane crash Um, And she and her three children have since then navigated just such incredible trauma and pain and loss and grief um, to rediscovering incredible strength and resiliency and courage and reopening their hearts to new love. Um, Eileen is an author. She's a speaker, a yogi, holistic health coach, life coach, also an impact investor, And she just published her book, Time to Fly. Um, It actually launched on Earth Day of this year, which is very meaningful. Um, She talks about why. Um, And in it, she really dives into her story about turning the energy of pain into purpose, about her spiritual awakening from grief and tragedy, and navigating this grief with her children, and then meeting Mike, her now husband, and having a miracle child together, Zach, um, and just the miracles that really showed themselves and all the different signs. It is an incredible, powerful, vulnerable story. I encourage you to grab a tissue. There were definitely many moments where I was tearing up as well as just have the chills. And I am so honored to have had this opportunity to hold space for Eileen to share. So tune in, find her book, Time to Fly, and just open your heart to this story. All right, we're live. Right. Yay. 
Oh, I have to, I have to consent. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Eileen, I am so honored um, that you reached out and I'm so grateful that we're getting a chance to connect in this way. So thank you Great. so much. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, as you know, cause we've talked a little bit ahead of time and I know you've tuned into my podcast, um, in the past, but my favorite question to ask and to start with is about nourishment. And when I talk about nourishment, yes, there's food, but it's really like what's lighting you up, what fuels you, what's, um, energizing you these days. And I know we have, you know, a whole different experience and adventure happening right now with this global pandemic. Um, but what is, what's nourishing you today? Yeah. So, um, so normally I'm, I live in Chicago. So normally I live in downtown Chicago and in the city, right in the middle. And, um, when the pandemic hit, I, we have four kids and a dog and a balcony. So we were like, we need to, and they were kind of closing all the parks down. So we moved down to Missouri. So we're living in Missouri. And one of the benefits of Missouri is outdoor space. And the weather's been much nicer here than Chicago. So one of the biggest things for me right now is actually going for long walks. So um, I think like one one week, um, Brooke and I have our little, you know, um, chart, like, chart, what do you call those? Like I, Fitbits or whatever. And we like logged a couple weeks in a row, like marathons. We like walked over 26 miles a couple weeks in a row. So that's been really great and actually super nourishing in that, you know, one of the silver linings in this pandemic and nourishing myself is like hanging out with my 15 year old, well, I have a 17 year old, 15 year old, almost 13 year old, and then uh, almost three year old. And, um, I said, I joke, like I'm everybody's like least favorite playmate, but like, I'm it. So, <laughs> yeah. like, you're so stuck we, with me. Yeah. yeah, you're stuck with me. I'm kind of stuck with you. And so walking, talking with my teenagers, um, um, thank goodness. Also I have a Peloton. So I've been doing Peloton and, and thank goodness for the plethora of, um, online yoga, streaming yoga. So I've been doing core power yoga, um, Peloton has some yoga. And, and the funny thing is like, even I even talked Max, my seventh grader into doing, um, a Zumba and a cardio kickboxing with me. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. What <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So a lot of just family time. And then I've been, you know, I've been connecting, you know, with friends, my, I've talked to my sister, I've talked to her all the time anyway, but we talk every day and that is absolutely nourishing of me. Um, parents, friends. Um, so all the people that I would normally want to see, making sure that I connect with them online. So yeah, or on the phone. I know. So yeah. grateful for technology during this time. I mean, oh, yeah. I'm, yeah just being able to like, just see people that level of connectivity and even, you know, doing this with you, you know, I love and why we hadn't done this yet in the past is like, cause I'm like, I do them in person, but this has been such a gift a to just figure the remote piece out to be able to finally interview people like you. But then also, um, yeah, I can feel your energy still, which is so wonderful. Yeah. It's pretty miraculous. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Oh, human beings work like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. So, um, we, what did Max think of Zumba? Okay. So he wasn't so impressed with Zumba, but so he <laughs> has this like skit f before this that he would like pretend that he was like a, you know, a 
aerobics instructor. He's like, come on, ladies, you can do it. And because he's, he's a comedian. He is such a comedian. He's just like his father, his biological father. But he, um, so this one we picked out, this cardio kickboxing. I mean, it was exactly like that though. So, but he did it. He did the whole thing and he would do it again. And I said, well, next time maybe we'll find one that's maybe a little bit more balanced, feminine, masculine, <laughs> and not so you know, mom, like, I mean, it was so, yeah. yeah, come on ladies. But, um, I love it. I'm picturing like leg warmers, sweatbands, like all the things, like I'm going back to my childhood, like the eighties and the nineties. Yeah, so. It's pretty much <laughs> like that. But the nice thing about kickboxing is it's not su- super dancey. So mm-hmm. like he followed along and he's, he's got rhythm and he's actually athletic. So he's, he, um, he did it definitely because I asked him to. He would never have done that on his own. But yeah, it was that's it was so fun. fun. It was fun. That's awesome. Yeah. That's amazing, Eileen. That's great. Um, so you I mean talk about story. I, I'm just like flashing back to when I had the incredible opportunity of meeting you, which was way back in 2010, 10 years ago, um, in Costa Rica at the Institute of for Integrated Nutrition Conference. That was absolutely magical. Um and I just remember right away, Eileen, your magnetic like, energy. And I love just right. Like you're just so authentic and real and raw and funny and um, so kind hearted and compassionate. And um, I remember specifically us like having like that one of the many one on one moments and just really connecting. Um, and then I feel so grateful to continue just to witness you on your um, incredible journey. And it's been quite, <laughs> quite, um, full of grief and tragedy, but also like resiliency and courage and so much love. Um, so here we are, you just, you just off- wrote, um, and published your memoir time to fly. And I'd love for you to just, this is space for you to share, like, right. And there's so much there, but, um, yeah, to talk about your your journey. So, yeah. thanks. Yeah, so the very long story, sort of short, is um, so in December we met in 2010, and then in December 2011, on December uh, yeah December 22nd, three days before Christmas, um, we were living in Huntington Beach, California at the time, and the kids and I had flown back to visit my parents, and we were going to spend part of the Christmas time with my mom and dad and then part with his mom and dad and sister. And, but we went early cause the kids were done school and Brian was flying to join us and um, his right engine failed two nautical miles from the airport. Um, and he didn't survive. So that's where the memoir begins and I go back and forth in time and kind of share a little bit about who we were and like, how I grew up and all that. Um, and then, you know, it was, it was, you know, a lot of healing, but you know, a a lot of growth that I didn't want, but I'm grateful for now. (laughs) Um, and the story, um, of opening up my heart to love again and Mm -hmm. being open to, um, yeah, opening up my, my family, my heart to someone else. And then, the real miracle when people are like, Oh my God, Eileen, you did what? And then I had a baby, another baby at 46, which was like not part of my plans. 
like so not part of my plans. So, you know, as we were connecting earlier, it's like, I really should never say never (laughs) because (laughs) like I, you know, I never wanted that. And we have this amazing little being Zach um, that really is like the glue that holds the whole family together. So the, Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's, you know, it took several years. I mean, this is years of journey. Um, but yeah, the book was um, released on Earth Day, which was uh, symbolic and also sort of intentional, but also like universally aligned because I wanted it actually released like six months before that. But then you find publishers who know what they're doing and people are like, no, first of all, you can't go that fast. Second of all, you know, Christmas time is not the time to release this kind of book blah, 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 blah. But, you know, you pay to like the experts. And then in April we released it. And my late husband, Brian was a, um, when he passed, he was the CEO of a solar energy company. And we had done a lot of legacy work and celebration actually of him on earth day. So it actually was sort of perfect. And yeah. That's amazing. I just got the chills on so many levels. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. So that's the book. Um, what else? I mean, yeah. I let, if you don't mind, um, I love to just kind of like go, sure. <laughs> go deep. Um, when you, and I, and you may even, and I'm so looking forward to, to reading your book. It's, um, it's definitely like top of my mind, but you may mention this in there. What was that moment? Like the moment you found out, um, that yeah. Brian had had passed and, and that that crash had happened. Like, do you like go right back there? Yeah. 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 So, um, and you can wait for the audio version just so you know, I'm going to, so okay. that was, so the digital version is out and the book version is out, but I am working on the audio version. And so that'll be available hopefully in about, a, in about another month or so, but Anyway, oh, wow. so don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> which is one of the reasons it's taking some work because it's hard, but yeah, it's really actually, first of all, it's a whole nother skill, but I've found some people to coach me to do it. But anyway, so yeah, I mean, it was, um, and that was one of the interesting things about writing the book because I do go back in time to these moments so that I can write about them authentically and like, you know, remember what it was like when I, um, when I found out and, um, yeah, it was, it was tough to write, but I feel like, and what was interesting too, is like, it was tough to write. And it was also like, nobody else had that experience. So like, until I had kind of written it, maybe one or two handful of people knew like what happened. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause it's not like, Oh, let me just tell you what happened on, you know, last Friday. Like it was, right it was first of all, hard to tell, hard to share and traumatic to share. But after writing it, I was like, Oh yeah, well now every, everyone will know um, what it was like. And so, um, you literally had to relive it in writing. Yeah. Relive (laughs) it and write it. But I think it was important to share because in, in, you know, writing the story of hope and possibility to, to, let people know, like, you know, not like I've been through your trauma or your grief, but I've been, I know what it's like to have some, like have the rug pulled out 
from underneath you. So the kids at the time were four, seven, and eight. And, you know, we celebrate Christmas. So Brian was bringing all the Christmas gifts in the plane. Um, it was our plane. He was, that was his passion, his passion project, his passion. He didn't play golf. He didn't do anything else, but he was, he loved piloting and he skilled. So he was piloting our plane. And so I went by myself to the airport to pick him up because all the Christmas gifts were there. Normally you know, one of the kids might've come with me or all of them to pick them up, but we're like, so my sister, my mom stayed home. My dad was shopping. It was Christmas. Like my mom sent him out on some errands and, um, I, there's a flight tracker. There's actually, you can track a plane as it flies across the country. And it said it was like two nautical miles. And I kept refreshing the screen and it kept saying two nautical miles, two nautical miles. So I like, there was like something, there was like a little something there. And I tried to call him because I knew he was supposed to be on the ground, but he didn't answer. I was like, ah, I'm a little nervous, but not, not that nervous. Right. Cause he, but you know, you button up the plane, you have your checklist so I was like, he'll, he'll be busy. He's probably not paying attention to his phone. He's like, so I drive and on my drive to the airport, I get a call from the National Transportation Safety Board. And they had said, hey, you know, we haven't heard from Brian. Have you heard from him? I'm like, no. And then I was nervous, Aww. but he had forgotten to call before. So I was like, don't panic, you know, but I was definitely nervous then. And then I get to the airport and it's a very tiny airport, York County airport in Pennsylvania, near where my mom and dad lived. And yeah, it wasn't parked where it should be parked. And then I was nervous. And then I ran in and they were like, we believe that plane has gone down. And yeah. And then I had to wait like another hour and a half to, to know they'd send out a helicopter to try to, um, you know, whatever, help him. But they were asked to pull back because there was fuel on the ground. So they were worried about, you know, fire or whatever. And then, so they landed and there was a woman um, who stayed with me, who is like one of the med- medics from the helicopter. And she came into the airport. I was like waiting outside to see. And she brought me into the airport and like sat with me. And then my dad joined. And, and oh, wow. I mean. Yeah. And eventually the police and coroner came. But that, that um, must have felt like the longest hour and a half of your life. Yeah. 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 And you just want more. And you're just like someone and you're just like searching and searching and searching. And yeah. And there was a moment in time where I felt like this, like rush of weird energy. And I, I was like, that better not have been you, Brian, that better not have been you. And um, yeah, but you know, I don't know. So who knows, you know, like who knows, but yeah. And then, yeah. then having to tell your kids, which I can't even, oh, I like makes me want to yeah. cry just right. thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I also share about that again, just, just for, you know, it's like one of those moments too. And like a lot, you know, um, thank God. I mean, hopefully you'll never have to tell your um, children that you're, that their dad had died. But a lot of times like families, people, human beings, you have to deliver bad news, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm getting a divorce or I'm sick or, you know, grandma's sick or like there are times in life where that moment where you like, this is what's real. This is what's happened. And there's no avoiding it. 
and you want to, you're like, maybe somehow like I can change this, but um, yeah, I know. I, I remember thinking, I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? I'm just like, well, you're, you're just going to tell them because there's nothing else to do. Like, I can't like fix this. I can't make this different. It is what it is. This is what's happened. And yeah. And, and at that time too, you're, you know, like you're, I'm in shock and oh yeah. Like it's, you know, you sort of go, I don't know if you, but like I was sort of in a, a bit of a robotic, it was interesting, a bit of a robotic state. Cause I, I remember desperately, like, <laughs> this is funny. It's kind of like how I am in life, but it's like wondering what I should do. I was like, oh my God, what do I do now? What do I do now? Like There's that instructions booklet, right? Like, yeah, like, yeah. Right. Where do I do now? And what was interesting is like, like I've done a lot of, you know, work and transformation work and like human being is, is a balance of being <laughs> and doing right. And I could, I just didn't know what to do because I had never, you know, like who I was being or what I was experiencing. I was like, I'm not, there's not a familiar place here. And so I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I kept thinking that I was like, Oh my God, what do I do? What do I do now? What do I do now? What do I do now? I was like, there's nothing to do right now. Right. Like there's nothing to do. You, you just gotta be there. <laughs> and, um, event, I mean, there was eventually things to do, but like, you know, all the estate work and planning the funeral and all that, but there were a lot, of, but I was desperately trying to figure out what to do. And so like, you know, on the drive back from the airport, like who do I call? And in our age of technology, even though this is 2011, it was like, you only have to call a few people, right? Yeah. And then, yeah. then the word was out and, um, and then I could just be with the kids and my, and my parents and yeah. So, so and my sister you were with your parents and your sister. Yeah, thankfully. And then my brother drove up. Every, all the little details are like, I know my brother and sister came. I don't know exactly what hour, but like everybody ended up coming. And then Brian's, Brian's family was supposed to, we were going to like spend Christmas with my mom and dad. And then we were going to go to Brian's sister's house with his mom and dad. And um, everyone ended up coming to my parents because that's where we, we had the first celebration of life. We actually had a, a few, three celebrations of life. We had one in, in Baltimore but we had the funeral. So this is, okay. Do you want me to go here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we all came and um, this is sort of one of the miracles, which actually when I shared this, so like there's all this awful trauma and it was awful and it still is awful. But um, the day after the, um, he passed, my brother and my dad went out to the plane in the field to get what Christmas gifts they could salvage and while they were at the airport, um, the, whatever, the front desk guy said, this gentleman, Al Cooner, who's a funeral, owns all the funeral homes, wants to get in touch with your sister. Can, can you tell her to call? And so my parents, come, my brother and my dad come home and I was like, that's kind of weird, Al Cooner. Like, why is he trying to get in touch with me? So I call him up and he's like, Eileen, I'm a pilot. I'm a... I landed a half an hour before Brian was supposed to land. I heard him in the pattern. Like there's like a, you know, a landing pattern. And um, I would like to take care of all of the funeral expenses. 
Oh my gosh, Eileen. I, I know. Wow. So now I'm like, I have a, a funeral director and the funeral homes that he owned were the most beautiful in New York, Pennsylvania, right down, like the closest one to my parents' house. I was like, so now I have a beautiful space to have Brian's wake, which you don't even, can't imagine even thinking those thoughts. And it's a pilot funeral, funeral director. And then, you know, Brian and I are not, we were not religious. I grew up Catholic, but we were not churchgoers. I have like a, I call it a buffet style spirituality, a little Catholic, a little Hindu, a little (laughs) California woo woo. Like, so I was like, I don't know um, where I want to have this. And it's December. So it's not like we could have it outside, you know, in nature. So, um, but it was right before Christmas. So Al said, Eileen, you just, you're going to have to do Christmas best you can and we'll look to create you know create an event afterwards and I was like I want to do the a celebration of life so he sets me up with a caterer like the day after Christmas and she's like what about blah 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 but what about the Baltimore Museum of Industry and I get online and I'm looking and it's a business museum Brian's a serial entrepreneur and it's got a twin engine plane hanging from the ceiling oh my goodness I was like wow okay what so I was like, I have a pilot funeral director and now I have a business museum on the waterfront. Brian was obsessed with the water with a plane hanging from the ceiling. And it was like, Eileen, you are being taken guided, care of. guided. Yeah. absolutely yeah. guided. And I would tell people afterwards, I was like, Oh my God, like that happened. And then that happened. And then that happened. And then that happened. And there's like many, many, of those things happening. And they were like, Oh, you got to write a book. (laughs) And I was like, okay. (laughs) Like I started writing this book, like, like probably like three months afterwards. Cause there were so many miracles. So many moments. Wow. And then, you know, and actually I was actually talking to my girlfriend that was my support book support person at the time. And she, she would call me every Friday and we would take notes and, going to write this book. I'm going to write this book. And then the book didn't get written for another seven years. Cause it turns out I actually had to live the whole journey before I could actually write the book. Although it had been being written. What had been being all along, <laughs> all along with notes. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. So yeah. Wow. I mean, talk about, <clears throat> I mean, just talk about being completely just open to Eileen, like the fact that you in your state of like shock and rawness and, um, and tragedy and like just grief, you were also simultaneously like, it's like these pings of like, just like of being open, like being able to keep your heart open to feel and receive those signs, those messages, those little awakenings, no matter, you know, miracles, whatever you want to call them. I mean, that is absolutely beautiful and, um, and bold and courageous. So, uh, yeah. I can't even begin to imagine just all, let me talk about, again, you mentioned that phrase earlier of like getting the rug, like kind of torn from underneath you, but yeah, your life as you knew it was just in a flash. Um, turned around and put yeah. upside down and uh you write I think it was you know either a blog post or on your website but just that whole idea of like turning the energy of all the pain and tragedy that you went to like into light and your purpose and you really 
and you said seven years until this book came alive, but um, it's like you've been going through this whole spiritual awakening, um, yeah. which is incredible. Yeah, I think it's one of my biggest lessons learned <laughs> um, for myself during this is like, is actually pain, tragedy, trauma. It's actually like, it's for me, and it's an opportunity. You don't have to take the opportunity, but it's like resisting it is way more painful than actually going through it because it's an opportunity to transform. And I think um, looking at, looking at, okay. So for like, one of the things was like, you know, Brian's gone, right. Being um, the belief, right. That I was so upset by, but then very quickly I was like, there's signs everywhere. I was like, I don't know where he went, I don't know how this whole thing works. And it was like, he never like emerged into like a ghost like figure. <laughs> but for me, I was like, it was weird. I was like, I, I feel him around. Like one of my first signs of him being around, but like, like his name would show up places like Brian. Mm -hmm. And I had lost my sister too. And I also share about that in the book, but like two, three weeks after Brian, I mean, Brian died there was a billboard up in Southern California. I'm driving down the highway and it, it, it said like now playing on 103.5, a station I don't listen to Van Morrison's into the mystic. And that was the, that was the song we played at my sister's funeral in mm. 1993. So, and then it says DJ, DJ Brian. Oh my so gosh. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can't miss it. <laughs> no, like, yeah. you couldn't miss it. And there were so many interactions where, I mean, I, I could go on and on and on about them and some of them are in the book, but some of them aren't, but it was like, so yes, he isn't here with me anymore. And I don't, I can't have the kinds of conversations with, with him that I could when he was here, but I did feel still connected. And I did feel like I, it was weird because I had to create something and I was like, this is like a spiritual marriage, right? Like my promise, my promises to him and like what, who we were together as a couple, um, like that doesn't need to die. Now the romantic part, right? The intimacy part, like all that gone, like. Like he's the no physical longer here. form. The yeah. physical form and all that is engaged, all that, that entails was gone. But the spiritual piece doesn't need to go away. And what is that going to look like for me? And what am I going to create? And what was really interesting was like, how do I hold that and open myself up to love again? Yeah. yeah. And it took, it takes a really special human being. And I found him. Thank God. And I do believe Brian <laughs> sent him. Yeah. But like, you know, like, how, and I, and it's funny. And I taught, I was like, there's three people in this relationship, <laughs> you know, and um, he's not jealous, but it, it takes a lot. I mean, I'm sure there's times there might be a pang of jealousy, but like, yeah. he's really Mike, my, my now husband, I call Leighton now, but like, he's, he's really like an amazing human being. But anyway, yeah, I'm kind of babbling, but that whole idea of going through it, right? Like, 
going through the pain. Why am I in so much pain? Looking at my belief systems, looking at my thoughts, like what are these thoughts that are, that are um, having me feel so much pain and they're opportunities to like explore, you know, either it's a self-belief, a belief about something that may or may not be so true. Right. And they're, um, it's yeah, huge growth opportunity. Yeah. Well, and having the, the willingness to lean in to those, those beliefs and to explore them. I mean, (laughs) again, takes, holy shit, just takes so much strength and grit and, um, yeah. And, and, and just like, yeah, strength is the word that keeps coming to mind and courage. It's like, okay, the choice, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you say that. Like, so it's not like, I'm done, right? Like I'm transformating, but things still hook me. Still, there is plenty of growth for me to to do. And it's so funny you say that leaning in. So there was an experience in a relationship in my life and like I was angry and upset. And I, that's literally what I said to myself. Like every time I would get angry and want to like kill the person or like in my thoughts, I was like, I literally just said to myself, lean in, lean in, lean in. And I was like, and sometimes that's all I could do. I was like, just lean in. Cause that's not what I want. I don't want to kill people off. I don't want to, that's not like, I want to have love and peace. And when that killing off is present, lean, lean in. And like, it was, it was funny you say that because I was like literally my mantra for like a week. I was just like, lean in because it was so hard. Yeah. Yeah, so, and yeah, it is hard. Growth is hard. And well, how often it. do we want to just hit the pause button, right? Or, or be able to like actually do the opposite, lean in and just like shut it out for a moment or like, yeah. you know, or avoid it because yeah, it's, you know, you and I were chatting for a little while before we started recording, which I loved. And, but it just talking about like, we grow, we learn the most through, through the, the darkest, like the most painful times. Um, yeah. And, and although we wouldn't want that or wish yeah, those things on anyone, we don't, you know, it's like, that's, that's where you um, found your purpose and your light. And, and that, that's made you who you are in this exact moment, you know? So yeah. there's so much energy there. Um, yeah, I think amazing. it's kind of also ironic, not only Earth Day that the book was launched, but also during the pandemic. I feel like this is a time of grief for everyone, right? Yeah. Like everything that we've known, everything that we've counted on, all of us, like even if you've been through, you know, the one, 180 or the rug pull, it's like this is like the worldwide rug pull, <laughs> Yeah, you know, collective, the collective, yeah. like everybody's and some people are resisting it and some people are leaning into it and everybody's trying to make sense of it in some mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Right. And, um, that's what we do as human beings is we, we try to make sense of our experiences and we try to create a story that has us survive it. And that story that we create to survive whatever we're experiencing is like, where we have all the power, mm-hmm. right? It's like, what yeah. story are we going to tell of ourselves? Like, are we going to tell like how awful this awful pandemic is? And there are awful parts of it, awful parts of it. People are 
you know, don't have financial resources. People are leaving, losing family members. People aren't able to grieve and honor their dead loved ones. Like businesses are going out of business and all of that. But as we move through it, which we're not through it, (laughs) you know, but as we go through this pain as a society, as a as humanity, what will we say when this is all said and done? Right. And he, I think humanity's resilient as a general rule and we'll be better for it. And we yeah. don't know what it's going to look like. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. And I think that can be the hardest part is that as humans wanting to, to know and see like, what is it going to look like? What is it going to be like? What, what's going to feel like? What's life even in the next week going to be like? Oh, um, yeah. And so all that anticipatory um, anxiety that comes up with that. Um, but I love that you, you bring light to that, Eileen, and just coming back to um, as much as we can, right, to our breath and the present. And I've had this conversation with my kids, you know, it's because, you know, it's like what, you know, and I feel fortunate that, that they're the ages they're at and that we can process it kind of on this level. But like as a, as a parent, like wanting so much to support them um, during this time so that when we all look back on this, like, what are they going to remember? Like, is it, is it going to be the anxiety and the fear and the stress or, um, and it doesn't have to be black and white, so it'll probably be a mix, but, but my hope is it can be more of the, the quality time, um, the slowdown, the, the getting outside in nature, um, and more privileged to have that access. Um, but just like more the, I guess the strength and the resiliency. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, And the unknown being able to be in the unknown and still like enjoy life. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Right. There is so much of that wanting to know right now. Yeah. I get it. Like I'm I'm like, yeah, I'm like, Mike, I just want to know. And he's like, what do you want to know? Well, I was like, I go, I just need a plan. And he's like, a plan for what? This weekend, this summer, this year? What do you need a plan for? I was like, all of it. <laughs> this hour. <laughs> this hour. But yeah, sometimes that's all we can do, right? Like, right, right. Well, we know well, and, what the day is. <laughs> speaking to you and going back to your story, Eileen, I mean, yeah, you, you had to, you had to start to like, lean in there I go using that word again but like into probably just what is life what's living feel like again you know because you lost that um yeah and then I think about you know you as a parent and having three young kids too to you're out you're not only navigating your own grief and loss um and pain but also just holding space for them to have theirs and whatever theirs looked like um and yeah yeah it's incredible yeah, and I, def- I definitely go into pieces of that in the book. And, and you know, grief, you know, people think, oh, I'll just go through the five stages and then it'll be over. And that's absolutely not reality. No. <laughs> they don't come in order and they don't, you know, yeah. it, they don't come in order and they often flip and turn and, and come around again. And, and I think what's really interesting with kids, I think this is true with all of, all of humanity or you know, we all grieve as we, we, we grieve new things, right? So, so we're always, I, first of all, I was going to say, like, I got a lot of help, right? Like I went and saw therapists, I got therapists for the kids. I like, you know, did 
did what I needed to do to get myself supported. And I think that's so important um, to reach out and get what you need. For me, like being the one who had to pick up the pieces and try to lead them and guide them, but to make sure, you know, my oxygen mask was on, right. So that I could, so that I could help them breathe. Yeah. And there's something funny. I'll tell you about this little breathing story in a second, but, um, so, but now I'm, now I'm distracted by that story. What was I going to say? Oh, grief. Right. And so like the kids, you know, four, seven and eight when it happened and as they've grown and, you know, it's, you see these developmental milestones in maturity and when they hit puberty and when they're, you know, and, and, and every moment they actually have a different understanding of what losing their dad, meant, mm-hmm. right? Like losing their dad at four is very different than losing, than knowing that you've lost your dad at nine. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, and all of them have kind of gone through it again because they've, they've hit a developmental milestone. They've have some now understanding and now my, you know, my girls are 15 and 17 are thinking about college and they're, you know, they're wanting to know who their dad was in a different way than an eight year old or even a 10 year old would wants to know their dad. They're like, I want advice now. Like I want to know what he would say. Mm. So it, you know, it is navigating. So first of all, like, you know, like knowing that that's going to come around and that that is normal and this is part of it and this is part of life and this is part of how we grow and continue to transform and continue to deal with our lives, right? Or whatever. It's like, okay, so now I'm not like surprised. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, you know, like I'm not surprised anymore like that they're grieving again. It's like, yeah. okay, you're going to grieve again and I'm going to grieve again. Yeah. We might grieve something new, but we might, we might grieve something we've already thought we were done with. And like, we've handled that. We're like, no, you handled that when, as a 10 year old. Now you're handling that as a 15 year old. I handled it as a 41 year old. Now I have to handle it as oh, an almost 50 year old, I'll be 50 yeah. this summer. You know, yeah. it's like, it, it is, um, Yeah. So my a- mom, Eileen, is a she's a grief and loss therapist, and she has a phrase that's coming to mind right now um, called a stug. And she's like, "Yeah, it's a sudden tumultuous upsurge of grief. Like it's just going to hit you out of nowhere, and it, th- th- those are going to pop up throughout a lifetime. You know, yeah. just yeah, kind of speaking to what you're sharing and um, how it can literally like knock the breath out of you. I imagine so. Yeah. yeah. And what's really interesting, and this is the other thing that I've learned too about now um, I've talked about like it's like you the happiest moments now sometimes in my life sometimes are butted up right against the saddest minute moment because like the kids were adopted by Mike which was Mm. so beautiful yeah right like what Okay, so first of all, they're older now. They actually agreed. They wanted. They didn't. You know, it's it's been a journey. Yeah. You know, and it's like what? It's like it's like almost like declaring marriage kind of thing. They're like declaring, "I'm your dad. You're my kids forever and ever." Amen. 
Mm. And that is like not something that a lot of children actually get to experience, right? Like we're, they're just ours, right? Right. right. <laughs> you know? And, um, but to choose and to, for them to choose each other, which takes another level of commitment and love and just, it's just beautiful. <laughs> and it would never have been happening if he did, if he didn't die. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really so like hidden gift that, that showed up in your lives. Right. Face, like due to, because of awful tragedy. Right. Yeah. This beautiful yeah. opportunity to declare love in a new way and to experience something that lots of people don't get to experience. And it's beautiful and, and right. Painful. Yeah. And painful all at the same time. And it's, um, yeah. So we, we've learned to live with a lot of that, like, and just be okay holding both and not having it to be like just one way or the other. But it, it ta- and, you know, it's taken something from, from me, from, from, well, from me, <laughs> you know, I can't speak for anyone else, but certainly for me to be able to be like, okay. So that's one of the growth things that, that I've experienced. Um, yeah, that continuous you know. practice that you are living day in and day out of, of that simultaneous, you know, right. container, right? Because I, I think as humans, it's so natural that it's like, black or white, you know, one or the other, but I love, um, how you're sharing this, Eileen, and just, um, learning as a family, like redefining, like what does family mean? And, and also, you know, it's family with the energy of Brian all around you still, you know, and that he's a part of that. Um, and how you've spoken to that is incredible. Yeah. You had, um, written, I think about, I remember you posting or sharing, and maybe it's on your on your website, your blog, but, um, that Brian has shown up in your dreams, like not only yours, but also Mike's. And I, yeah. I was like, that is, I mean, talk about again, yet another, um, sign message. Um, do you mind yeah. expanding on that? Yeah, I'll tell that story. It's also in the book, but, um, so I, um, so <laughs> when Brian died, I went on a spiritual awakening kind of, cause I saw these signs and I was like, what is going on? Like, and there's lots of, you know, alternative sort of religions and spiritual practices and things that like, that I was interested in exploring. So one of them being shamanism. So I went and saw a shaman and um, we, he had this huge crystal and it was hilarious because it was like Orange County, California, gated community. And I'm like going in to see the shaman. So it's like not like the shaman of like Jim Morrison day. Right? So, but I was like, okay. But um, he came really highly recommended as this, you know, really reputable human. So anyway, I go in and I, um, I'm backing up to the dreams. But so I go in and I, we, we meditate. So we meditate over these crystals and he says to me after a few things, he said, you know, you're going to meet someone. So he said, he goes, you and Brian and someone who is coming had an agreement before you got here that, um, that, that this is how it would play out. 
And this person who is coming will come in about 18 months after Brian died. And you will know when you meet him, you'll know. And um, he will pick up where Brian left off. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So we come out of this meditation and this guy was amazing. He was like so apologetic. He was like, oh my God, I hope that wasn't too much. He's like, you just lost your husband. That might've been a lot. I don't even know. He was like, he just, he just shared with what came to him. And I was, what was really wild was like, there was a lot about when, when I was experiencing it, that it felt like I was remembering in a way because it was like, not, you know, like you're here he is, he's going to die. And then the pilot funeral director and then the funeral home and like, there was nothing he could do. It was like, there's nothing Brian could do to, to, to save himself, like nothing. And Brian was like the kind of guy, if there was anything he could have done, anything he could have done, he would have done it. Cause he was very like, anyway, like he was not interested in dying. Right. Like he was like, he was a huge liver. He lived life so fully like, Mm. so there's nothing he could have done anyway, whatever you can think what you want, but I felt like I was remembering to a degree. So it just, and then I was like, you know, I'm not going to like bet money on this guy, but it felt authentic. It felt like I wasn't, I wasn't like, Oh, kind of like a tarot card, whatever. Like it felt real, but I was, I was still open to like, he could have been full of shit. Right. So was it strangely comforting? It was strangely comforting. Yeah. It was because it just felt like, okay, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, cause that, cause it, it actually weirdly felt like he was validating my experience. I didn't have the idea of the person coming, mm-hmm. but the validating that I felt like I was remembering something like, yeah. And I even, I mean, I share a little bit about this. It's not exactly like, but I was like, Oh my God, like we are spiritual beings living in human experience. How the hell did I forget that? Mm. and then I see Brian's body and his spirit had been his spirit was gone so I was like holy cow so there was this like there was that kind of remembering all the way to like I mean and there were some weird things like Brian had written me an email with all the directions about what I was to do if he should die and this was like three or four months before and yeah have you known that? Well, because he was flying and he yeah. was, he was flying to Mexico to meet with um, um, someone down in Mexico city. Cause he was in the solar energy industry and they were like, he was all over the world before he died. He was like in Saudi Arabia and China and um, Italy and um, Mexico because he was really trying to help the environment, which is why the whole earth day thing is so apropos, but um, so he was flying to Mexico and he's like, well, you know, should something go wrong? Yeah. And I, I woke up to that email and I was like, are you kidding me? Like the last thing um, I want to get is an email from my husband. Like, should I die? Here's all the directions. But then he didn't die that time. But then when he did pass, I was like, oh my God, I have the email. Yeah. And we had set up life insurance Mm -hmm. Um, because 
you know, it was like one of these, like, we did it for other reasons because whatever, like financial reasons. But I was like, oh my God, we have life insurance, we have life insurance. I have the email, like what the heck is happening? Right. Yeah. So anyway, he, so the um, shaman tells me this, this is like four months after Brian dies. So then fast forward um, and I tell more of the story in the book, but I, I get introduced to the, some, um, this Mike by someone who knew Brian and knew me. So it was a sort of like trusted introducer. His name's Bob. So Bob introduces me when I say, okay, I'm thinking about the possibility of meeting someone. He's like, meet, meet Mike. I was wondering how you two met. Okay. (laughs) So we end up meeting at a, at, at a conference. There was so much energy between the two of us. I was like, oh my gosh. And I am not like a lot of people have like that kind of energy with a lot of people. I don't, I'm like just a few. So I was like, holy cow. But he was actually still dating someone. So I was like, if there, you know, nothing happened, but we're, but I did say to him at the end, I was like, if you end up breaking up with that person and you're interested, give me a call. So, and he was, I was on the rocks anyway. So I don't, I'm not a couple breaker upper, but um, it wasn't, it wasn't going to happen anyway, but I was probably a good impetus for him to go maybe a little faster. I don't know. But anyway, before we went on a date. So we had met, there was a lot of energy. We had talked on the phone maybe once or twice. And then I have this dream with Brian in it. And I ask him what he thinks of Mike. And he's like, he used to be a jerk, but he's a good guy. And you should go for it. Wow. I've got your back. But then the crazy thing was. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Two days later, Mike's like, I had this crazy dream about Brian. I was like, what? Only two days after your dream? Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh, Eileen. Yeah. And he's like, do you even, I go, do you even know what he looks like? He's like, yeah, I Googled him. And he's like, yep, he was there. He, my, Brian said to him, he's like, I want you to take care of my kids, but I want you to remember that I'm their hero and that they idolize me. And this is before we even went on. Oh my gosh. I'm tearing up right now. Oh yeah. My gosh. So, I mean, that's how we met and that's how we, like, that's how we entered into the relationship. And then by the way, it didn't, it wasn't like, then it took something, right? It took us like two and a half, three years before we finally got married because we're human, right? Like there was all this trust and all this, um, kind of knowing, but then there was also like all the people and all the humans that, you know, and, and Mike, because like, it was like, I really knew, but Mike took Mike a minute to figure out like, okay, because you know, he was single. He had never been married. He's like, you know, he was successful and attractive. And am I really supposed to marry a widow with three kids? Like I want, and she's old, like she, I want my own kids. <laughs> really? Like she's not young. Like, is she, I want my own children. Like, will she even a, be able to do that or be even willing to do that? Mm-hmm. And that's where that journey for me, it's like, okay, I love this man. And am I willing Am I willing to open up myself to the possibility of another child? And at first I was like, sure. I was like, you know, we could adopt one, whatever, you know, like I, but I was like, not going to ever have another child. I'm not a very pleasant pregnant person. And I tied my tubes and I was like, mm. nope, I'm good. And then 
I was talking to my therapist one day and she just said something like to open up my mind, right? She's like, something, I don't remember exactly what she said, but something like, well, what if everything that you've believed to be true about the possibility of you having a kid is like not true? And I was like, do you think that I should actually think about this? <laughs> I love that question. That's fantastic. Yeah. I was like, she's like, I'm just saying you should just open up your mind. Mm. And I was like, okay. So then I was like, all right, well, let me just see. Cause I just assumed that if I got pregnant, a, it wouldn't happen. And if it did happen, I'd die. I literally was like, and then I that went was to the, the way your brain was going. Oh, yeah. My brain was like, first of all, it's not possible. My tubes are tied. And I'm like now 43, 44. I was like, it's not possible. Mm-hmm. And if somehow some miracle of IVF worked, I would die because I had three C-sections already. Like I'm not going to survive a fourth. <laughs> I'm like, totally. So I went to the doctors and they were like, it's not probable but it's not impossible. And I kept going to all the doctors and they do all these scans and all these tests. And they kept saying, Nope, you're actually, your uterus looks great. Your C-section scar is beautiful. We don't recommend you getting pregnant with twins, but I was like, what? Anyway. So nobody said no, nobody said, Oh, you've got a great shot. Nobody said that, but they were all like, it is And if you use donor eggs, you'll probably definitely have a kid. And then I was like, oh my goodness. And then I thought to myself, what will I regret? Mm. I was like, like not trying, like trying and not doing it, not, not being successful is very different than not trying it and not being successful. Right. So I was like, I was like, okay, I, I, you know, and, and that's what I promised Mike. I was like, I promise I will try. And, um, and of course, cause I'm, and then I'm pretty pragmatic. I'm like, okay, well, and I'll go for it. Like, we're you go all it. in. <laughs> go all in. And, and then I was like, I did. I was like, if I had in my mind, I was like, we're going to do this. And if this doesn't work, we'll do that. And if that doesn't work, then we'll do this. And if that doesn't work, then that's the universe telling us you gave it your all and you didn't get what you thought you wanted, but you'll, along the way that was the other thing I was like I had learned it was like along the way of these journeys like like I met you and like we you know we we meet people we have experiences like it's all beautifully orchestrated and aligned and maybe not orchestrated but like it's all it's all not for not right so this IVF journey that I'm gonna go on we're gonna go for it and then it's a straight up out of the miracle book miracles I was gonna say then miracles act came along (laughs) yeah no like there's like no reason he's here because like so I also tell this in the book but anyway um three I tried three rounds of my own eggs I got pregnant the third round but it didn't last and I was thinking Mm -hmm. good job Eileen I was like you know you got pregnant like and you know like it was sad but but I was like you shouldn't have expectations that you even would get that far. So then we were going to use donor eggs. So we did a round of donor eggs and it didn't work. And I was kind of disappointed and we were getting ready to do another round using donor eggs. And I went in for the doctor's appointment and they were like, one of the things they check is your, your possibility of how you getting pregnant that cycle. And my 
I look good. And I went to lunch and with a girlfriend and I was like, I don't know, should, should I just try one more time? She's like, yeah. So I literally text my doctor. We change protocols. I leave lunch. I go buy all this, rather than the suppressing, I buy all the stimulating. We freeze the donor eggs. We leave them there. And we got one egg and that sack. Wow. I mean, we had more eggs, but like we got one good one. Yeah. And then he was 11 pounds, five ounces. (laughs) Yeah. Like Superman, like super healthy, miraculous Zach. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Very. I mean, and that's, it is a straight up miracle and super blessed. And sometimes I get concerned, like people think, oh, people that have struggled with IVF and like, they don't have, they don't, aren't, they don't have that miracle story. So I do know how lucky and blessed I am to have that experience. But I also want people to really hear like that was not ever going to happen given my mindset Mm. a few years before that. Yeah. But again, once again, you really had to open yourself up on all levels and your heart and yeah. And open your, I mean, you guys all opened up. I mean, even I think about, you know, you sharing Mike coming in and, and I love that you talk about like opening, like just your, it's open up space for new love. It's not like, it's not like Mike like had to come in and like rescue you or save you guys or, you know, and you you don't need saving Eileen, but like, um, but that you, but that you were also opening your heart back up. Your kids were, were opening and, and and leaning into with trust and embracing and, and then Mike was too. And, um, yeah. Oof. Yeah. So much trust and love. So much, so much trust. Yeah. So much growth. Yeah. And I do, I think about those, the kids, they're just, yeah. Like for them to trust me is beautiful. Like, cause I've done things that probably aren't that trustworthy, you know, like I've yelled at them when they shouldn't have been yelled at <laughs> done stupid mm-hmm. shit, but like they really overall absolutely trust me to guide them, you know, and, yeah. uh, and they guide me too. Actually that's, Oh, remember actually John Dulyard. So he spoke. Yeah. Actually at our, the conference where we met and he said to me, and actually it's literally in my introduction, I'll read my, uh, my um, dedication of introduction, but I'll read the dedication. And this is what he said. Of course, I don't have glasses, but um, <laughs> um, a wise person, and I'm referring to John Deliar, but um, once told me that your children are your most important spiritual guides. I have found that to be unquestionably true. I am a much better human because I share my life with you. Thank you for constantly teaching me to be patient, to question what I know, to forgive myself and others, to take risks, and to have fun and play. I love you more than you know, and this book is for you. Uh, I'm tearing up. I've been like (laughs) chills tearing up almost this whole episode. (laughs) Eileen, thank you so much for sharing that. And I, that's something that I profoundly believe in my soul, my core as well. When I, when I look at my two kids and, um, that they are just truly my greatest teachers and spiritual teachers in that way. So that's huge. Um, what's the book? Um, oh gosh, something, a soul's, 
purpose or, uh, but like the, the, the idea that, you know, our, that we choose our parents, you know, and choose yeah. our, yeah. So, and that younger siblings choose their older siblings. I, I just, I believe that. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so sweet too. You just oh. watch, watch yeah. Zach with them now. And um, it's so funny because I had this like fantasy or whatever, I guess it was a fantasy that like, that they wouldn't, fight or there wouldn't be jealousy because there's such a big age difference mm-hmm. but in some way they're so like siblings it's it's hilarious but then there's also this like unbelievable tenderness actually that goes both ways like mm. melanie you know be upset and zach will come up and it's like oh mel mel need a hug Aww. but he's learning that from them right because yeah. he, he needs a hug or he's hurt or it's just so sweet just to watch them, you know, and who doesn't cheer up when a, you know, two and a half year old comes up to you and says, Oh, do you need a hug? It's just like <laughs> it melts your heart. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh definitely God. one blessing of this pandemic is the amount of time that they've gotten to sp- spend with him. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're teenagers, they're busy. They're like got all right. this stuff and they go to school all day and they dance and they rock climb and they do all the soccer and, yeah. Not doing any of that. So we're spending a lot of time. So yeah. it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about like being in this together, right? Uh, <laughs> Collectively, all of, like the world right now, but then like as like different families. So yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, Eileen, thank you so much for, for taking time and hopping on this podcast with me and sharing your heart and vulnerability and strength with the world. I am so looking forward to diving into your book. Um, and, uh, where can people, I know, where can people find you? Where can they find your book? For my book? So you can find my book anywhere books are sold. Um, that's available anywhere. So if you want to support your local bookstore, you can, they probably don't have it on the shelf, but you can order because it's distributed through Simon and Schuster. City Point Press is my publisher, but they use, um, Simon Schuster distribution. So that, Anywhere. And you can find it obviously on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com, Target, wherever. You can buy, pardon me, online. Um, and then my website is my name, Eileen Robertson Hamra.com. So, awesome. yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. I'm so well, glad we I, re- reconnected and chatted. I know. I know. Me too. It is so incredible to see you and just to listen to you share. Um, I, of course, I'm like, there's so many, like so many places I wanted to go and like so many more questions I want to ask. Um, and maybe that just means we'll do this again. <laughs> yeah. Maybe another, yeah, yeah, sure. And I would love yeah. to, yeah. And we'll stay in touch for sure. Yeah. We'll stay yeah. in touch. Yeah. Yeah. It's an honor. Thank you so much, Eileen. Take care. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Bye.